Welcome to the Storyform Podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. Hello, and welcome to the Storyform Podcast. I'm Holly Packiam, and I'm joined today by my friend Jamie Showmaker. Jamie, how are you? Hi, Holly. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yes, we're enjoying this February. It's actually a it's in the sixties today here. Um, so that's kind of crazy for us for February and have, have still been kind of waiting to get a really big snow, but we haven't. And maybe you guys have had more snow than us this year. (laughs) We have, I think we had some, you know, I I can't believe it's already February. I'm so happy to be back. This is the first opportunity to podcast since we took the winter break. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to be here, but yes, we did have a nice, snow over the over the winter break it's um we didn't get to go out in it my boys were sick during the snow so we might have missed our one big opportunity of the season but maybe not maybe not sometimes we get a big snow in March so hopefully hopefully we'll have another chance but it's beautiful today it's been really nice and we had a we had a really nice holiday very low stress and simple which was nice and I spent a lot of time reflecting and talking with my husband about our goals for the upcoming year and just trying to discern what our priorities are going to be. And I know you and Glenn take some time to do that every year. And it's just a really nice thing to do to get some clarity. I got that idea from you guys. And so I appreciate that. Oh, good. I'm so glad yeah. you guys got, had some time to do that. That's wonderful. Yes, yes, yes it was good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've continued to kind of think about our time and um, – one of the things that I've really been praying about and trying to discern is, you know, what what things to say yes to and what things to to say no to, and you know, kind of that right. the idea that everything you say yes to means a no to something else. And so, mm-hmm. but my tendency is to want to say yes to lots of things and right. um, be involved <laughs> in a lot of things. And so, um, right. just yeah, really just asking the Lord to help me um, process and discern things well and. And so that's what I'm, I'm kind of moving towards as we move through right. this new year. So, and then I, yeah, um, I've been reading David Copperfield, which has been on oh, my, yeah. on my list for the, some of my first book reads of this 2018. And it's, have you read it, Jamie? I have it, not read David Copperfield. Okay. It's can, been on the list for a really, yeah. really long time. So I need to read it. Yes. Okay, I, I couldn't remember, but yeah, I'm probably, I mean, yeah. I'm not even I, I, a third of the way through quite yet, but, um, but very interested. I mean, very sad still in, in, in the boy's life. So that's, that's kind of hard to, to get through, but mm-hmm. I think there is hope to come in the story. <laughs> so yeah. And then I'm that's, also, that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling yeah. a little, go ahead. Oh, right. no, you no, you go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. I, know, I was going to say, I would say that's how I'm feeling a little bit about the book I'm reading. I'm reading um, Kristen Lavren's Daughter. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I think you it's told like the, me the title epic. of it. Yes, it's so, um, it's so long. It's, it's actually three books um, put together, and the three books total, like, 
1,200 pages or something like that. So I've had it on my list for a long time, and I'm finally tackling it this winter. And I'm in that place, too, where it's very sad, and I'm not sure how much I really like the main character yet, but mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that there's redemption coming. So, yes. yeah, I can definitely relate. Yes. <laughs> definitely. And I, I'm i hoping to read um, to reread A Wrinkle in Time here soon. Um, yeah, interested in yes. seeing the movie. Possibly, I I really haven't looked into it enough to know much about it, but I'm interested in in possibly seeing it. So, I really love. Yeah, the book. I'm in the same boat. So, yeah, yeah. I, it's been a while. I read it. I guess the last time I read it, it's been about three years, mm-hmm. and so I don't remember enough of the details to um, remember if when I do see the movie, if I see the movie how much it's going to compare to the book. So I need to reread the book as well before I see the movie. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so glad. (laughs) We're we're so excited to talk to each other. We keep talking at the same time because we haven't been podcasting lately. So, but I'm so glad that Jamie's back with us. Um, We, so we're going to be talking today about, about readers and maybe some of those readers who, as parents or teachers, you feel like a a child who might say, I don't like to read. I don't like reading. So we're going to be kind of addressing, um, some of, you know, situations and issues around, um, kids in, in that sort of paradigm or that, if they have that kind of, um, thought process going on, or maybe there really is something more going on there. But before we get to that, um, I wanted to ask all of you who are listening today, if you have any questions um, that you would love us to address on the Storyform podcast, if you could send that to us to our Facebook page um, and just message us. Um, We'd love to get some more of your questions. Um, Jamie and I did a couple Q&A episodes when we first started the podcast. So I think we did them maybe last spring, and had a great response and really enjoyed hearing from all of you. So we're thinking about doing something like that again in the future. So we'd love to hear from you about that. Um, But getting to our topic, um, Jamie, I know you have some thoughts about this. Um, I I think probably one of the first things to ask as we process all this is, is when we're thinking about specific kids that we have or students we have is why is that reader reluctant? Are they are they still an emerging reader? So, you know, when we're evaluating this, we can kind of think of right away why this is, or maybe, you know, or a child can read well, or you can tell that they have those skills, but they just don't seem to enjoy it. So, um, yeah, what, so based on that, what are some of your thoughts about, about emerging readers? Yeah, I, I think specifically with emerging readers, it's, difficult. And I think you, you have to be a little bit of a detective to figure out exactly what's going on with your emerging reader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for instance, do they have any kind of developmental issues that might prohibit them from reading? You know, a lot of times kids are, um, they're hesitant to read or say, they say, I don't like reading or I don't want to read because they, they're literally having developmental issues because they can't do it and they don't have the vocabulary or the self-awareness to be able to tell you I can't do this or why they can't do it. Um, So I think just as a parent or a teacher or just an adult in their life, you have to kind of play the detective to figure out, you know, are they, are they really ready to read? First of all, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, You know, there are a lot of studies nowadays that really show that sometimes better is better late than early with reading. Um, you know, a lot of studies that cite that, um, you know, even before the age of six, that it, there, there are some actual developmental things going on 
that prohibit them from being able to read, you know, with their, you know, as a child develops, first their gross motor skills develop and then their fine motor skills develop and their ocular skills, their, the, the ability for their eyes to read and train and, and, and focus on things don't develop until after those fine motor skills. So if your kids are still having trouble, you know, holding their pencil correctly or cutting with scissors, then you can pretty much be guaranteed that they're their eyes aren't able to follow those letters across the page. Um, so that could be just developmental, that they're just not, not ready. And, you know, some kids aren't ready until, you know, 8, 9, 10. Um, and that's okay. I know that that's hard when, when your child is in a traditional school and there are, um, you know, expectations and markers that they have to meet and things like that. Um, but it, that could be part of the problem is that just developmentally, they're not ready. Um, but there could be something else going on like dyslexia, you know, and trying to discern as a parent, it, are they are they having trouble because they see the letters differently? Um, I had someone I was talking to someone about dyslexia and um, she said she was an expert and she said that, you know, when we see a chair we can see and we know it's a chair, whether it's standing up correctly or whether it's laying down on its side or if it's flipped up beyond, it still looks like a chair to us. We know it's a chair. Mm-hmm. And children with dyslexia see letters the same way. And so mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, the A, is, you know, it starts at the bottom and goes up and comes back down and has the cross in the middle, and it, if it's flipped upside down or turned around backwards or whatever, they still see the A um, or they can't see anything because it all looks the same to them. And so going back to talking about eyes, I mean, you know, does your child need glasses? Maybe they, they can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially yeah. in a classroom setting. So looking at the board, you know, sometimes that's, that's the, only, the big problem <laughs> is that they, they can't see and you didn't realize that they couldn't see it, you know? So, um, but there are other things, you know, small children get distracted easily. So are you trying to read with them when they're distracted? Um, because you're not going to have a lot of success with that if you're reading while the TV's on or while, you know, something's cooking on the stove. Sometimes you're asking them to read when they're, they're already tired or they are overly stimulated. And so, you know, making sure that they're actually ready for the task um, and that they're not reading because they can't or they don't like it, but just because they need to get out and run around a little bit, you know. So that's, I guess that's a little bit of what I mean when... I say you need to be a detective with an emerging reader because Mm -hmm. there could be so many different things going on that are causing the issue. Yeah. One of the things I resonate with what what you're talking about is um, my son is eight and he's reading, reading fairly well. Um, But I think I have noticed that it goes a lot better in our daily reading time if we do it earlier in the day. If, if we do a lot right. of other things yeah. before and then I'm asking, I think when we started the year, I was having him do do other things and having him read later in the day and he just seemed to be a lot more distracted and tired and just whining mm-hmm. more about it. and um, Right. And so it just has worked better for us to do it more, you know, to do it earlier. And yeah, if I can kind of try to weed out some of those distractions, that helps. Otherwise, right. he's interested in doing what someone else is doing. And, and mm-hmm. I, he generally mm-hmm. enjoys it. But there are, you know, I think it, there are things that can easily sort of um, change his mind about it. <laughs> um, just, right. And I think exactly. part of it is just the hard work of it, too. You know, it's right. although yeah. he enjoys it to a certain degree, he enjoys this. I don't know if he really enjoys the process yet of the work of it, but he enjoys the story. Um, but I have to be pretty intentional in this phase of um, right. 
of considering a lot of those factors, like you're saying. Yeah. And so that, that's actually the next thing I was going to say about it with an emerging reader. still, even once you know, know that they are capable of it, like, you know, there aren't anything, you know, there aren't developmental issues there. They, you know, are fresh and ready for the task. You know, if, there could be other reasons for a reluctance or a hesitation. Um, and like, for instance, my oldest son is a perfectionist. I think I've said that several times on this podcast. He just absolutely was not going to read aloud until he was completely confident that he could do it well. Um, and that's just the way that he is. And so I think in cases like that, you just keep the reading level low. Like, you know, for my son, I, I try to keep... Um, the books that I'm giving him a li- almost like a step below what I know he's capable of um, on the reading level, um, you know, as far as vocabulary and, mm-hmm. and yeah. that kind of mm-hmm. thing, just one step below, you know, what I know he can do just to help build confidence for him. And because I know that part of the reason that he's reluctant is because he wants to do it well. And so I'm just trying to help him do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he can gain some of that, that confidence and then also keeping it short. I think Charlotte Mason um, was so wise in this area where she talked about short lessons and um, just making sure that you're not, you know, just a few minutes at a time instead of, you know, okay, you have to sit here and read this for, for a half hour or an hour or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. this is just too much and they lose that confidence. Um, you know, so don't, don't overwhelm them. And I think the size of the book matters with that overwhelming feeling as well. You know, if you give them like a really thick book, <laughs> yeah, that can be a little that's bit right. intimidating. I was, I was just talking about Kristen Labyrinth's daughter, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm very well read. I read all the time. I love reading and I still didn't want to pick the book up because they feel the same way just on a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. And so you know, just having shorter books for them to read. And then I think another thing that has been really helpful for us to help build his confidence is to allow him to read um, the spine along with the audiobook. Mm-hmm. So the audiobook will be playing for him, but so he's, he's hearing it read aloud, but then he's following along with his eyes. And so he's becoming more confident that what he's reading with his eyes is what he's, you know, hearing in the audio. And he's, it's just affirming to him that, okay, I'm doing this right. <laughs> you know, yes, doing yes, this right. that's that a great word, idea. That, yeah, the word that I think says this really does say that. And so mm-hmm. it, I think that just kind of helps to build confidence because especially with an emerging reader, confidence is key. And so I think a lot of the hesitation um, with children not wanting to read or saying they don't like to read, it's just a, it's just a confidence issue. And they just need to, to practice to kind of build that fluency and build that confidence. Mm-hmm. I think boys, boys especially have that problem. <laughs> I think um, as far as, you know, wanting to, to spend that time reading, I, I, maybe I, it's because I have boys that I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that I, you know, yeah I think it's more eager to me. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I have had, a, yeah, it, it has been a little bit more of my experience. I mean, especially with, I suppose, one of my girls a little more eager than the other one. But um, mm-hmm. I think what I found about my son is that he has very specific interests. And, yeah. you know, that could be chalked up to, a, I, I suppose, a multitude of things, a lot of it personality. But um, he's... I think my girls were just in different ways, um, wanted to, were interested in 
maybe a broader base of topics or, you know, different things mm-hmm. that they'd want to read about or different genres even. But um, right. he, my son is pretty quick to decide if, you know, this is interesting or this is not interesting or right. or this is adventurous or there's no adventure here. So I'm not interested. So I'm always trying to kind of walk that line of when to push a little bit and when to go to go with him because mm-hmm. I'm not wanting him to get discouraged or not wanting him to have that feeling of wanting to give up. Um, right. So I am working pretty hard right now to figure out. Um, try to figure out what something that that he will enjoy. Um, he has uh, really enjoyed an abridged version of Moby Dick. Like that's his favorite book, and he's read it like pretty quickly three times over. And I've been, wow. but he just beyond that, he, he so that and then um, nonfiction books. He's been into animal, really into learning about animals for quite a few years now. And when he was younger, he would just flip through and look at the pictures, you know, or we would read them to him. And now he's reading them on his own. So he still has that interest. Um, but I I think mm-hmm. what I'm finding is that it takes really sitting with him still. Or he'll read a little while on his own, but I find that he'll stay more engaged if I can sit with him and maybe like it often will alternate pages. He'll read a page and I'll read a page. And that seems to really boost his um desire to stay sitting and to stay focused and or I think if he feels like we're in this together you know we're we're doing this together mm-hmm. um and um I think yeah I'm just I'm still always sort of you know kind of asking him questions and trying to figure out you know what it you know kind of being a detective of him and who he is like you said you know and kind of figuring out what it, what are the things that that he might enjoy and I'm, I'm sure we you know we're still in the process of figuring that out um, and something else we've done right. that I, I've kind of that has been helpful to him, I think, is to some of the chapter books that we've started have um, like shorter stories within the the bigger book, like um, uh, Brer mm-hmm. Rabbit has sort of contained stories. So, you know, we can read a story that's three pages right. long and then like, oh, we've read that story, but it's in a chapter book, mm-hmm. but it's fairly short and, you know, is semi-related to the other stories, but could be just read on its own. Um, right. And so I think that that might be an idea, you know, if you're – if, especially if you're in that phase with a child where the, you're wanting to kind of transition them maybe into easier chapter books, mm-hmm. but they're a little bit resistant to doing that or they think, oh, that seems, you know, really, really hard. Um, and I, I think all along this journey with all of my kids learning to read, also I think some – so they enjoy, they know the books that they enjoy and they're confident of that. And then, you know, I, I'll bring up something new and, and some of them will say, I don't like that. And I'll, I'll say, well, we haven't, you haven't read <laughs> yeah. it yet. Or I don't know, just something about the cover or I'm, you know. And so often it just takes them saying, okay, mom, like I'll give it a try, you know, and then them trusting me a little bit. And, and often they will actually really like it. So sometimes I think as teachers mm-hmm. or parents, just pushing through that, that little bit of initial resistance that encouraging them like, well, just give it a try. You know, you might like it. Let's read a few chapters before we make that decision and have that final, the, you know, have already judged it by its cover. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I think we're moving into like the second part. So what happens and what do we do when they can, and we know they can, and they just don't want to. And I think that's a whole nother challenge (laughs) that that comes along, you know, like you were saying, you know, just, oh, I don't want to read that. That doesn't look interesting to me. And you have to say, well, just trust me, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of out the kinds of us 
overcoming those kinds of obstacles, I think, are um, is something that a lot of people have to struggle with too. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, and I think so. I think we've talked about how sometimes just choosing help, choosing or helping them choose good books is such a key yeah. in it. It can be. Um, so tell me more about what you think Absolutely. about that. Well, I think, you know, choosing fiction books on topics that interest them. You know, you mentioned, you know, your son has specific interests. And, um, you know, I think specifically for boys, historical fiction sometimes seems to be a winner for them um, because they're interested in real people who lived life and did real things. And um, I think that, that can be inspiring for them. Um If there's a book that you know that they enjoyed, trying to find books that are along those lines, um, similar lines, you know, similar topics or or maybe a similar genre or even the same author. You know, if they like a particular author, then they may like other works by that same same author. Um, So just, you know, if there's something that that they enjoyed, continue along those same lines. And, um, you know, this is kind of where you get into that amazing as long as they're reading <laughs> and, yeah um, yeah you know, there's a debate yes it is a huge debate um and, and you can make an argument for both sides honestly especially when you're talking about children who don't really enjoy reading you know I mm-hmm. can I can see um letting them read whatever they want and I, I particularly think that that can be helpful especially when you're trying to discern the problem um if you're trying to figure out, is it, is it an actual ability issue or just an interest issue? Mm-hmm. And so allowing them to read whatever they want, um, if they're able and capable and they can do it, then that kind of helps you as a, as a parent or a teacher to discern, okay, well, this is not an ability issue. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if they can read this, then they can also read this, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, it takes some time, I think, to discover what floats your child's boat. And there are so many good books out there. I, I have a really hard time making them stick with one that they don't love mm-hmm. just because yeah. I know there's, you know, 10 more behind it that they could love. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I want to, I want to figure that out and try to find something that I think is going to help them. And so, you know, I ask yourself, what kind of movies do they like? Like, what do they like to play? You know, what are they interested in? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, that can all kind of help you discern what books might be of interest to them and help you choose books that might be more engaging for them. Mm -hmm. Jamie, I remember talking with you in a previous podcast about, I think one of your kids really enjoys um, architecture books. How did you, is that right? How did you discover that? It is. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. He has been building since he was old enough to put one thing on top of another. Um, <laughs> like even as a, like a baby, he, um, I know all, you know, babies and children, small children are interested in blocks and things like that, but he just seemed obsessed from the beginning. So that was probably my first clue. Um, but when he was really little, as I would read him picture books and things like that, he would zero in on the structures. Like we'd be reading a story about, you know, castles and dragons and knights. And I'm talking about the knight and wanting to inspire chivalry and bravery and all this stuff in him. And he's, he's focused on the castle. <laughs> That's all he sees is the castle. And then he would take the book and take his blocks and try to, try to reproduce it um, out of his blocks. So he would sit there and use the book and the picture, the illustration as a model and 
build what he saw in the picture in 3D with his blocks. I think he was he was about three years old when he first built Neuschwanstein Castle in Germany out of Duplo Legos. Um, so, I mean, from the very beginning, he was interested in building. And so we spent a lot of time reading nonfiction books about building and buildings and other structures and um, land, landmarks and just famous buildings and architects. And, um, and that, you know, it's still building, reading fluency when he reads these nonfiction books. Um, I know it's not the same thing as kind of, um, you know, building his moral imagination, but, but we'll get to that, you know, mm-hmm. and I still work on that on my yeah. end by, mm-hmm. you know, our read alouds and audiobooks and different things like that. But as far as, you know, building his own confidence and his reading ability, um, I'm fine with him reading these nonfiction books about buildings and architecture and, and things like that. So, yeah, he's, um, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. so I think I've exhausted Amazon on um, architecture books that are appropriate for young children. <laughs> so yeah. Do you guys have, have a, do you have a favorite one? Oh, or is wow. that too hard of a question? <laughs> we have a lot of favorite ones. Yeah, we have quite a few. You know what? Maybe I'll do a blog post on this because there are some really, really excellent ones um, that I would love to recommend. Yeah, um, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, there's a fiction picture book, um, it's called Iggy Peck Architect, and I can't remember the author of it offhand, and honestly, it's not, um, it's not my favorite, because it doesn't kind of meet the criteria that I normally have, the standard I have for (laughs) illustrations. Sure, yes. (laughs) The pictures are more, um, the topic engages him, the story Mm -hmm. is funny, um, the little boy wants to build stuff all day long and people make fun of him for that. And he's building replicas of, you know, all of these famous landmarks and things like that. And they make fun of him in his class. Well, it, he ends up saving the day because of his ability to build, you know, mm-hmm. and my, my son loves it. It's really funny. Like I said, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those kind of silly, um, I don't know. It, it, it's just an eight, an eight-year-old little boy. It, it's just funny, and it, yeah. it has rhyming verse, and um, he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And I think he recognizes himself a little bit in Iggy. That's what and I was just so going to say. I, yeah, yeah, I was thinking. Well, I yeah, I would, that makes sense if he's thinking this is what this is me. This is what I'm I'm interested in and doing. Yeah, you know. yes. And so even though, like I said, it doesn't quite um, meet my standards for you know, illustrations and beauty and that kind of thing, then it's, you know, he loves it and it, it works. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. the favorite in our house. And then um, he has one called From Mud Huts to Skyscrapers. And mm-hmm. I also don't know who wrote this one. I will. I'll do a blog post about this okay. so that yeah, I can put, you know, do some recommendations. But um, yeah, and it's just, it talks about all the different styles of architecture and building throughout the um centuries and throughout different cultures and things like that. And he really, he really loves that one too. But yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one way that I try to engage him specifically Mm -hmm. because he has been a reluctant reader for a lot of reasons. Some of those were developmental. He really did not really start reading well until about age eight Mm -hmm. and then it just clicked for Mm -hmm. him. And so I think Mm -hmm. there were some developmental things going on and um, confidence issues, all of that. So um, I think, you know, getting him the opportunity to read nonfiction has been something that's worked 
for us. But there are other strategies. There are lots of other things that people can do um, to kind of engage their reluctant readers. So, yeah. Do you yeah. Ha- do you have any other thoughts before we move on? Any other? Well, yeah. I know a lot of people do rewards. Um, they reward their kids for reading, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's once again talking about debate. There are a lot of people who say you should do this or you shouldn't do this, and you know, what works for your family is okay. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, some parents or with screen time, you know, you read, read this book, you can have some screen time. And, um, you know, if you're averse to that, you can reward with another book. Um, you know, if you read this one book that I want you to read, then you can, you can choose any book that you want to read. And I, I remember Sarah Clarkson talking about that, how Sally would give her books to read. And then she would, after she finished Sally's book, then she could read a Nancy Drew novel, you know, mm-hmm. and yes. that worked for her. And I mean, look at her. That certainly was not um, detrimental to her love of reading or her development of her moral imagination right. or anything <laughs> like that. And it, you know, so yes, I mean, yeah, perfect example of someone who was really, um, you know, molded and influenced by good books. And she, you know, Sally rewarded her by allowing her to read Nancy Drew. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've so, done, I yeah. can relate to that yeah. system. We've done something kind of similar in, in the summers. I, I mean, they're, they're reading, you know, during the year as well. But I think in the summers, they have a little more space to, to read more consistently every day. And, you know, when they don't have anything else to do, they're reading. Um, but we usually create summer book lists. And so, you know, all we have various ways of coming up with that list. But then usually I would say, you know, um, I I want you to start with this one or here's a few, you know, pick one of these and then they could, you know, pick something else off the list. So, you know, I was encouraging all of it or okay or good with all of it, but I might challenge them with one on the list. It's a little bit more difficult or something they may not, you know, might not be the Nancy Drew or something, but, um, but yeah, my oldest um, really loves Nancy Drew. She, she can just fly through those as fun reads, you know, series. And so that's, yeah, that's really fun. And you know, I think if you reward your kids, you know, in that way, whether it's with the book that they want to choose or with screen time or whatever, you know, the more that they read, the more that they realize that reading is its own reward. And Mm -hmm. they will then, you know, seek out the books to read for their own enjoyment, their own pleasure, their own edification. And, you know, if, if after a time they don't, then maybe they won't, you know? And, and so then, you, you know, hope, I think about people like my husband who wasn't a reader growing up and now mm-hmm. he devours books or, you know, like one of our favorite authors, Sam Smith, you know, S.D. Smith, when we talked to him, he talked about how he wasn't a really huge reader when he was a young child, yeah. but now he's a voracious reader and, and an author, you know, right. so I guess yeah. I just want to encourage parents and teachers out there that, you know, if their teenager isn't loving reading right now, um, don't lose hope. You know, it's just, um, it will probably, if you have done everything to instill in them, the love of good books and the love of story and, and that kind of thing, um, you know, it's still feeding their soul. It's still there in what you've, what you've already given them and, you know, let them express themselves and use their gifts in the way that God has gifted them and, and, um, trust, just trust. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up, Jamie. That yeah, that's so important. And I can think of, I mean, so many people that I know, and for myself, I mean, just not 
being as, you know, I was always interested to some extent, but didn't make the greatest choices and, you know, maybe not always the one that my parents would have wanted me to when I was choosing books, you know, growing up or, um, and I have a mom's group that I meet with and so many, so many of the women that I talk to say that they, you know, they really weren't avid readers as kids, but had enough of that seed planted in their hearts in various ways that, you know, once they became adults, that there were certain things that grabbed their attention. And, and so I, yeah, I think it is a very prayerful thing for us as parents Mm -hmm. and teachers that, um, it, you know, maybe you might be in a season where you feel discouraged and you wonder if anything will ever change. But I think if we keep praying for our kids and continue to, encourage them in different ways and well and I'm even like with one of my kids I, I'm aware that you know I'm the story formed person like in our family like yeah. the reading person so I can't I'm sure my children feel a certain amount of pressure like well I have to be a reader because my mom does the story form podcast and so I'm I'm aware of that you know just and, right. you know that yes. I don't want to put like you have to all say you love reading and that you're readers right. and you know because so, they might not be you know like yeah. will like yeah. my, my, my son, yeah. he's a builder, you know, yeah. and I don't know if he'll stay a builder. I don't know, you right. know, if he is going to be an architect someday, but I know that, yeah. that he's gifted in that area. So right. he's going to do something in that area. And so he has that kind of logical, spatial awareness. Mind. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's just not very um, engaged with words. Right. He, mm-hmm. he wants to, to put his hands on things and stack things one on top of another and, yep. and see what happens if, and, yep. you know, and that's who God made him, that's right. you know? And yep. so yep. I, I was, yeah. And so that, I, that has to be okay, you know? Right. And yep. so, but I think you, you just said something that is really important. You're the story formed person, you know, <laughs> I think that modeling for our children mm-hmm. is the most important thing we can right. do. Um, if we don't show that reading is important in our lives, if we aren't engaged in, in books and, and um, just other forms of reading print, whether it's magazines or newspapers or, you know, whatever, if our kids don't see us reading, mm-hmm. then they're not going to, to think it's important. No matter how much we tell them they have to be reading, um, they will know it matters if it matters to us. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing we can do to encourage our reluctant readers is to be constantly reading ourselves. So Yes. Yes, I absolutely agree. (laughs) Yes, that, yeah, just the little bits that we do or bigger stints that we'll hope they catch the bug in whatever way that is. But like you said, it might, yeah, like for your son, you know, that amount of reading or what he reads will look different than it will for your other kids or for different people you know. Right, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, if we we wanted to recommend another podcast too that we did um, in season one, it was episode fifteen. Um, it was called Favorite Books for Boys, and Jamie and I interviewed Heidi Scovel, and so she talked about just some you know some books that I remember. One of her points was about comical books, just funny books that sometimes for certain kids that mm-hmm. they might be bored with the more serious drama. Um, types of books, but maybe maybe adding comedy in is something else. So if you're if you have boys and you're specifically wanting some really good recommendations, um, you might want to check out that podcast. Um, do you have any other anything else before we before we go, Jamie? No, that was a great podcast. I was, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that one because that, that's one that's been in the back of my mind just as we've been chatting today. At how much. Um, just how helpful that particular podcast was for that, this particular topic. So, yes, definitely. Okay. 
Well, um, before we go, I'd like to just um, encourage you to check out our website. It's storyformed.com, and we have different articles and blogs on there. There's book lists for things like um, chapter books and picture books and historical novels and um, things like that. And so if you're wanting to get some more of our recommendations beyond our podcast, you can check out our website and you can listen to the podcast directly through there or through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And then also if you would like to just whenever we put out a new podcast or a new article, which we, we do something every week on Thursdays. And so if you'd like to get that, you can subscribe. And so it'll just come straight to your email. Um, if you go to the website and click on the more tab, then you can, that's how you can subscribe. And then it'll, everything that we are, um, putting out on the website will come to you every week. And, um, we also just want to encourage you, um, to check out the life with Sally membership we've been talking about here on the podcast. Um, and Jamie and I are fortunate to be able to contribute to this. And what it is, is it's, um, a membership with Sally Clarkson, where you get to hear from her and many other contribute contributors, um, about all kinds of things, um, such as, um, Bible studies and living book recommendations, arts, um, mothering, mentoring, ministry, education, friendship, and um, so we're we're excited to be part of this. And this year for 2018, Jamie and I are contributing to the author study portion of the membership. And so um, in January, we talked about C.S. Lewis. Um, uh, Jamie wrote a fabulous article about George MacDonald in February. And um, there's about to be a podcast on there that I did on Beatrix Potter. And so it's about, it's $149 for the year. There actually might be something special going on now for a little bit cheaper, but it's about to go up to $149 for the year. So you can go to lifewithsally.com to check that out. And before we go, I'd love to just ask if you um, are enjoying the podcast, if you can leave us a comment um, or a review on iTunes and give us a star rating. And that just helps the podcast to get into an um, algorithm so that more people will see it and hear about it. So um, thanks for listening and we'll um, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be Storyformed. Storyformed.